0: As we jump into our session, I want to pose a seemingly simple question that will form the foundational truths that we will look at in this session. A simple question, the moment I ask the question, most of you that are watching or listening will say, I know the answer to that question, here's what it is. And I will tell you in advance, you will probably be incorrectly correct. (laughs) Here's my question. What was the purpose of Jesus on the earth? Most of us would respond, well, that's easy. Jesus came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and restore us to a right relationship with God. But the easy answer is not always the correct answer. What was the purpose of Jesus on the earth? Well, yes, Jesus did die on the cross to pay the penalty for our rebellion against God and restore us to a right relationship with God. But was that the purpose of Jesus on the earth? That was the purpose God had for Jesus on the earth But when you pose that question to the Lord Jesus, Jesus, what was your purpose on the earth? Is that how he would respond? Well, let's let the word of God be our guide. In John chapter four, verse 34, we find these words. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. From the lips of the Lord Jesus himself, Jesus said, here's my purpose on the earth. I came to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. In John chapter five, verse 19, therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, These things the Son also does in like manner. Jesus says, I have come to do what the Father does. I have come to the earth to be a living example, a visible example of my Father. What he does, I do. If he does not do it, I do not do it. Because I came to do what I see the Father do. In John chapter 5 verse 30. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, here it is again, but the will of him who sent me. John chapter six, verse 38. Again, the Lord Jesus tells us, for I have come down from heaven, here it is point blank. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day over and over and over again, Jesus answers the question, what is the purpose of Jesus on the earth? By saying himself, I have come to do the will of the Father. I have come to do the will of the Father. I have come to do the will of the Father. And if we are still confused, I take you to the Garden of Gethsemane. The night Jesus was betrayed, as he knelt and prayed, the agony and the stress of what he was going through caused drops of blood to pour out of his forehead. And he pleaded with the Father, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The purpose of the Lord Jesus was to do the will of the Father, no matter what the cost. Now, what was the purpose of God for the Lord Jesus being on the earth? That is a question you and I can answer really quickly. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so incredibly loved, he incredibly gave an incredible gift that whosoever receives with incredible simplicity God's incredible gift will be incredibly saved. That was God's purpose for Jesus being on the earth. But the purpose of Jesus being on the earth from Jesus's perspective was to do the will of the Father. Jesus did not come for the purpose of suffering. He came to do the will of the Father. But in doing the will of the Father, he experienced unimaginable pain and suffering. Question two, did Jesus resent the suffering he endured on the cross in order to accomplish the will of the Father? Hebrews chapter 12 answers that question for us. The author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I come to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Listen to it really carefully. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Here it is. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Who for the joy set before him. Most of us are very aware of the agony of the cross. We talked about it in our last session, the pain, the suffering, The abandonment of those closest to him. Nails driven through his hands and through his feet. A crown of thorns put upon his perspiring brow. Lifted up between heaven and hell as if fit for neither. Oh, what incredible suffering. How in the world could anyone see that particular event as cause for joy? Well, think about it. Jesus looked down through time and eternity and he saw men and women just like you and me being restored to a right relationship with God because of the suffering he endured on the cross in order to accomplish the will of the Father. And that brought Jesus incredible joy. Now, you you may be saying in your mind, Wayne, that is wonderful, but when are we going to begin this session in First Peter? My friend, we already have. First Peter chapter 4, First Peter chapter 4. This foundational principle that Jesus came to accomplish the will of the Father no matter what the cost is the foundational principle behind what Peter shares with us at the beginning of chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, why did Christ suffer in the flesh? Do not answer that question by saying to die for our sins on the cross. We know he did that, but remember what we just discussed. That he came to accomplish the will of the Father. Accomplishing the will of the Father produced unimaginable pain and suffering because Jesus was committed to doing the will of the Father no matter what the cost. Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. What purpose? Arm yourselves for the purpose of doing the will of the Father no matter what the cost. Now you see the connection. We keep going because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, here it is again, but for the will of God. Peter tells these suffering saints that Jesus suffered in the flesh, and they are to arm themselves for the same purpose. What purpose? You say for the purpose of suffering, to which I say no, for the purpose of doing the will of the Father no matter what the cost. What was the purpose of the Lord Jesus? To do the will of the Father. Did that bring suffering? Yes, but was his purpose suffering? No, it was to do the will of the Father. Now, I hope I have helped you make the connection between the purpose of the Lord Jesus and what Peter is saying to these suffering saints right here in 1 Peter chapter four, verse one. Remember, they're experiencing incredible suffering, incredible sorrow, hunger, homelessness, joblessness, persecution, being hauled off to the Colosseum where they become fodder for the lions. That pain, that suffering, And Peter is reminding them, regardless of what you're going through, remember, your goal is to do the will of the Father no matter what the cost. Do we have an example? Yes, we have an example. Peter reminds us of our example since Christ has suffered in the flesh. That is the price Jesus paid for accomplishing the will of the Father. Arm yourselves for the same purpose. That phrase, arm yourselves, is a military metaphor. It is a great image. It means suit up, prepare for battle. Now, we're to suit up. We're to prepare for battle for two very clear purposes. Purpose number one is provided to us by the Apostle Paul. When he writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the wiles or schemes of the devil. Compare that with 1 Peter chapter four, verse two. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. We are armed for the purpose of doing spiritual battle against the flesh every moment of every day you and i wrestle with the desires of the flesh and the will of god it is an ongoing battle that we will face every moment of every day until god himself calls us home but when we arm ourselves we are equipping ourselves we're preparing ourselves to do battle against the flesh. In fact, if you continue looking at 1 Peter in verse uh, 3 of chapter 4, for the time already past is sufficient, for you had to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. Peter says you have had plenty of time to live for the devil. Now, suit up so you can live to accomplish the will of the Father. And you accomplish the will of the Father by doing battle against the flesh. Purpose number two, for suiting up. Again, the precious Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, here it is, what the will of God is. What is our purpose? To do the will of God, no matter what the cost, and Paul says here in Romans chapter 12, that we're to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we might prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and purpose, that you may prove what the will of God is. So the will of God for every one of us is to live a life of purity that we might give credibility to the gospel we proclaim not simply by proclaiming it with our mouths but proclaiming it by the way we live our lives what does it have to do with first peter chapter 4 well he continues in verse 4 and all of this they are surprised so that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. A lost world desperately needs to see the impact Jesus Christ can make on a life. And we are encouraged to accomplish the will of the Father by putting out our lives every moment of every day as a living, breathing testimony to what God can do in a life who is surrendered to the will of the Father. A lost world desperately needs our witness in character and conduct because every human being will one day stand before a holy God and give an account. That is why we must with love in our hearts and a burden on our spirits, proclaim the gospel. Galizo, we talked about this last session. The good news, the gospel, according to the will of God. Now, look at verse seven. Here is the urgency, the urgency behind us seeking to accomplish the will of the Father no matter what the cost. Eternity is at stake. The end of all things is near. Be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Now understand, there is nothing noble about suffering for the sake of suffering. That is ridiculously foolish. But when we suffer for the will of God, our loving Father uses that suffering as a tool to bring others around us into the kingdom of God. So can we say with the Lord Jesus, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God, do what you need to do in me. So that you might accomplish what you want to accomplish through me. Let's suit up. The world around us desperately needs to see Jesus in us. Arm yourselves for battle. We will see you next session. This study through God's Word is a study for scuba divers. As I shared in our introduction, there are two approaches to God's word. You can approach God's word as a snorkeler, or you can approach God's word as a scuba diver. Snorkelers stay on the surface. They get a panoramic view of what's in the word. But the scuba diver goes deep. He immerses himself in the water and he finds the treasures buried among the reefs below. We wanna help you find the treasures of God's word by going deeper. And I hope that we have accomplished that. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Word Power Media Ministry, our email address, wordpowermm at gmx.com. Also, if you have a prayer request, please feel free to reach out to us. Our team would love to lift that prayer uh, to the Lord on your behalf. We consider ourselves family. You may have never been in a room with us face to face. But if you've joined us in this journey through God's word, we consider you family. And we want to do everything we can to encourage you and to minister to you. Thank you.